When the Utah Jazz win, you win with Little Caesars. And on July 9th, you win when the Zone Sports Network is at Little Caesars in Vineyard. Join the big show, 2 to 7 p.m. at 554 North Mill Road in Vineyard. DJ and PK, Sarah Todd's going to join us. She covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for the Deseret News. And we'll talk to her about the restart and the bubble and the jazz. And, and we were telling you yesterday about ESPN.com. They had a big story that went out. I, I retweeted a link to it. You, a lot of you have probably read it for yourself by now. But it was about Donovan Mitchell. It was about Rudy Gobert, their relationship, what went wrong, how they've tried to address it, and how everybody's tried to address it. You know, Alex Jensen's role in all of this. Joe Ingles' role in all of this. And we'll talk with Joe about that tomorrow. And uh, PK, you've had some conversations because it's always curious about what gets out, what doesn't get out, how it gets out, what people want out there, why they want it out there, what doesn't get out, and why they don't want it out. You have deeper thoughts on this than you had yesterday. Well, yeah. You know, I got up this morning and get online, as I always do every morning, to see what, what's out there and anything happened from last night or whatever it might be, something I may have missed, who knows. Uh, and I saw on their front page on ESPN was this story. Now, they don't have a lot of live news now, and you can only do the virus so much, and you can yeah. only get political so much before people just want to pull their hair out. Well, this particular thing that the piece that they did on Mitchell and Gobert you know, it is virus-related to a degree, but actually the issue goes far beyond that, and it certainly isn't political by any stretch. So my point is that this story may have some more legs and some more, some more lasting power because there's not a whole nother news cycle to come along and replace it. So I was surprised that it was on the front page this morning, and in thinking about this and having some conversations with some people yesterday about it, you know, you saw a lot of, you read a lot of, Basically, sources said mm-hmm. another source says this, another source says that. Well, who are these sources related to the jazz that normally is a tight-lipped organization? Uh, and how much are the folks in charge? Are they okay with it? That sources said, you know, did, is it something that is going to? I think it. Maybe it was you, because I was talking to people about it. I can't remember if it was you or not That yesterday, that um, would they be upset? Well, wait a second. Are we going to go back? Who are these sources within our organization that's talking to the this reporter, and he's writing these things down and putting out these quotes, this type of stuff? Not that they're necessarily damning, but they're insightful, and they lead a little bit more. They go way beyond the virus, because the virus may have just been the tipping point, uh, but there was all so, there was tension well before the virus and we knew about it we heard about it and so i'm wondering how much of this story are they upset about or are they okay with you know i would just be guessing now because i haven't had any conversations with anybody in the organization so this is just me having read the story we talked about it on the air and i thought about it i think they're okay with it and i think they wanted it out there i think it's out there all all over the league anyway it's the kind of thing you can't keep quiet. The, um, the, uh, we had to talk about this when we have Dave Rose on, because I've talked about it with him off the air. You probably have, too, about what a small world basketball is. And the guys who are coaching now played in a previous generation and doing the pre-half and post with thorough and pace with such an education. They had so many ties to so many guys. I played with this guy. I played against this guy. I've heard about this because, 
you know, and, and they would say stuff about teams and you could just hear people scoff. And you've gone through the same thing, too. People don't know how many people, you know. And Pace could say something and somebody could scoff and then Pace would tell me why he knows it. And you're like, well, if you knew his source, you wouldn't be surprised. Holy cow. And I think uh, that, you know, there's only there's only 30 teams in the league. Right. And these two guys are all stars. And it is out there. I mean, stuff has been said in postgame interviews. Quotes have been said on the record. You know, Rudy, six, eight games into the season or ever, wanted more shots, right? He'd set the dunk record a year ago. That is uh, shots in basketball. Danny Ainge, FGA's the most important stats. Tom Chambers, uh, a rookie playing for the uh, the Clippers in San Diego, and Pace goes down there to the game, looks at the stat sheet afterward, and I forget, Tom took 22 shots or 27 or something. Dang, Tom, and dang, Tom becomes this running joke, Right. But it's because of the FGAs. It's really important. It goes to guys' paychecks. It goes to guys' egos. It goes to who gets all-star games and that. It goes to who the coach and the GM really value. So when this is out there, when there's only 30 teams, of course the NBA is talking about it. And of course the Jazz are getting awful trade offers from other teams in the league. I would bet any money amount of money. Dennis Lindsay has been offered multiple second-round picks for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. You know, <laughs> that, that's like the oldest story in the league. See other GMs, that's their deal. They, we got to try and pick your pocket. So he's got to take the calls and no, we're not giving this guy away for two second round picks. Thanks. Click. So I think they want it out there because they know it's out there and they want to address it. And I think they like, I think the part that reflected well on the organization that they should want to have out there. And I think they do, but I don't know it for a fact is, you know, there's a, thoughtful and methodical way to deal with an issue that ultimately you're always going to have. I mean, these guys are stars and it's gotten out there, but what pickup team did you ever play on PK where there weren't guys worried about getting shots or not getting shots? Or why is that guy shooting? I mean, that that's like, that's the oldest story in basketball. So how they deal with it and the fact of how well the organization is run and do agents read that and put that information away? Absolutely. All right, I understand everything you're saying there, but one thing. Before I get to that, I will tell you the other day I was golfing with my wife over the holiday, and I missed a putt, and she dropped a dang Tom. (laughs) Well, that was funny was you you and I were golfing with her. The three of us were golfing like a year ago, and I think we were at Bonneville. I actually think we were at the third tee, and I dropped a dang Tom, and she says, PK says that all the time, and you're like, yeah, that's a Pace Manion radio joke. <laughs> Dang, Tom. I'm glad she's now in the club dropping that. Drop it. it. It'll feel good, people. Do it. Dang, Tom. It just feels good. That's <laughs> yeah, funny how we kept that all these years later. Yeah. Uh, so back to what you were saying, the only thing that doesn't make sense to me, what you said, I, I can see. Yeah. But the the question that I have for you specifically, all right, so you said all this stuff about the shots and it's, it, yep. it's the oldest issue in basketball. All right, I get all that. But why would the Jazz want that out? Because you said you think that they're okay with it. So yeah, they why, would they, why would they be okay with the story of all these sources said that don't necessarily reflect positively on Mitchell and or Gobert? I think the negativity was not released by the sources. I think the negativity was already 
out there, the negative side. I think mostly what they got out there was putting a positive spin on the negative stuff. You know, why is Gobert like this? Well, look what he's carrying around since childhood. Well, who doesn't identify with that? Who isn't carrying stuff around? That is the most, that is the best explanation for, what was the word he used for his own behavior? Annoying and, oh, there's another one we can't say on the air. Body part. Uh, I think he said PK-like. Yeah, right. So that is that is one of the best explanations for why he's like that. And he says he's like that. You know, I think they like having it out there because I think Mitchell, and I don't, I don't know how Mitchell took it, but I think Gobert said a bunch of stuff about Mitchell in that that was trying to repair the relationship. Now, whether it did or not and how Donovan took it, I've got no idea. You know, but, uh, you know, Gobert said some complimentary stuff. And so I think they're glad that got out there. Okay, but... It's still, it's an interesting story, and it's not completely negative, but there is negative yep. elements They're of in, the story. Yeah. So how does that be something that the Jazz would be okay with because it takes a little bit of a dent out of their leverage? Yes, but I think inside the league, I think their leverage was already dented, and I think they knew that. Everybody in the league's talking about it, and... Everybody would like to pick their pocket. Oh, they're going to have to trade one of these guys. You know, there were national guys writing that weeks and months ago. So the the negative stuff was out there. I don't feel like more negative got out. All right. Does it maybe uh, get Gobert in line more? Is that one of the reasons why they would like that? Um, Come on, Rudy, man. Uh, quit whining about shots and just worry. You say you're worried about winning but then you're whining about shots. Yeah, I I guess that could be one of the side effects. That could be one of the... the, His quotes were conciliatory enough that I think in his mind, and this goes back to the consciously, subconsciously thing I was talking about yesterday. Consciously, I think he gets that. And consciously, I I think he gets that he's worn people out. You know, subconsciously... Does he still need the approval? Does he still need to go to the All-Star game? Does he need to average 15 or maybe in his mind 18 or 20 points a game, whatever it is, before people really accept that he's a very good player? Um, you know, he's trying, he's trying to get his arms around it. It's easier to say that than it is to do it. You probably have to say it before you actually do it. Yeah, I think that now I'm just psychoanalyzing a 23-year-old man and Donovan Mitchell, so take it for what it's worth, probably nothing. But my thought is that if I'm Mitchell, I mean, I'm dealing with you talking all the time. Yeah, We're we're together from September to hopefully for them May or Mm -hmm. June, but at least through May. Right. So and, and it's almost every day that they're together. It's an unusual circumstance. Right. And so I've heard you talk. I'm tired of hearing you talk. Yeah. I want to see stuff. I yep. mean, you, you said what you said. I said what I said. It, it's all out there. Everybody knows it. Now, there's really nothing more to say. Mm-hmm. It's about how we play and what it, what is your reaction there for. So when I spray you with water in a celebratory on-court interview and then you mumble past mm-hmm. the GD ball... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really going to piss me off. <laughs> yep. And you may be joking, but you're not uh, joking exclusively. There's, there's, right. There's, there's, there's usually of truth to it. There's usually an element of truth or it's not funny. Right. When I call you a butthole, everybody laughs. <laughs> He's serious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And I do think that, um, 
you know, actions speak louder than words. You know, it's what we were talking about uh, with Morgan Scally a week ago. It's what we were talking about with uh, Deshaun Jackson this morning. And I think it applies here, even though at the root there's different issues. But I think whatever the issue is, actions speak louder than words. And everybody wants to win. It's what Mike Weir just said. Everybody's competitive. You want to get out there and you want to perform. There have been no games, so there's nothing but words. When there are games, if the Jazz get into the playoffs, and I realize, you know, if, if Mike Conley is gone for the birth of his kid and he's back with his wife, right, in the delivery room and he's not in the, in the bubble, well, that's going to make it hard to win. And Bogdanovich is out and hard to win. So, but, but set that aside. You know, if you go down to Florida and you go into the bubble and you win that first round playoff series, they're all going to be happy, regardless of whatever words were said in March and April. Winning's the great deodorant. If they upset a Laker or Clipper team in the second round to get to a conference final, they're going to be thrilled. Joe Ingles is going to be on the phone saying, I told you guys that was all nonsense. I told you that was all a waste of time, right? If they go down there and they're at relatively full strength and they get smoked in four by the Rockets, nobody's going to be in a good mood. And everything that was a burr under the saddle is going to bug them even more. You know, because at the end of the day, it is about winning. Because when you win, A, it's like you said when we were talking about Andy Reid. Winning is this adrenaline rush. It is so much fun. Andy Reid's like, yeah, I'll coach to 70 if I got Mahomes throwing the ball for 400 yards and we're scoring 40 points and winning by three touchdowns. I could do this forever. This is great. So if they win, they'll they'll be all sorts of pumped up about it. And the other stuff, it'll still be there, but it'll it'll kind of fade away. You know, we watched if it, Dennis Rodman helped the Bulls. He helped the Bulls win three titles. So Jordan put up with his nonsense. We sat there and watched ten part documentary, and Jordan said, "If he goes to Vegas, he ain't coming back." And he Jordan had to fly to Vegas because he didn't come back after forty eight hours. It was ninety one hours or whatever it was. And he went in the hotel room and Carmen Electra was there and he had to pull Dennis out to go play basketball. We well, put up with it because they were going to win. Who was there? Carmen Electra. Ugh. Well, they interviewed her. She said she was hiding. It was Michael Jordan's. Carmen Electra? Yeah. But well, if. Can you imagine being born with a name like Carmen Electra? <laughs> or deciding that that was the name you should take through life because you were born, you know. Cindy, whoever, and that just wasn't that wasn't a crazy enough name. But Jordan's making fun of the guys who lost at the start. He would have put up with any level of party and if those guys had won, but he went there as a rookie and they were losing. So it's about the winning. You're right. The the words and there's enough talk and you need games and it's a weird time that the season got stopped for four months and they need games. One other thing I think the Jazz definitely like to do is they know they got a bad rep. When they have a chance to deal with the national media, they like to make the national media's job easier. The national media can help change the perception of the team around the league in a way that local or regional media can can never do. So a national writer is going to get access. They're going to get access to people. Now, they're not going to make Donovan talk, but they're going to let Rudy talk. You know, and they would have let Donovan talk if he wanted to, but he didn't want to. But they're going to give him some quotes and they're going to give him some stuff off the record so they feel like they're left with a good story because they want people writing good stuff about him because that is how most people are going to get a perception of the team. You know, some, some free agent sitting on the bench somewhere and they want the guy and, you know, he's player eight in somebody's rotation in the Eastern Conference and kind of off the radar. But they're going to bring him here and they're going to make him player, player four or player three. And it doesn't matter if it was... Bogdanovich is a recent example or Raja Bell, you know, two decades ago or anybody else you want to come up with. You know, they want those players and their agents to think about Utah in a positive way. So they're going to give a national guy access. They've done it before and they'll do it again.
Uh, I was actually speaking to some local media guy about that last night. And and did they say what I just said? No, I said it. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, who, they were asking, you know, why? And I said, well, because I think they like it. That's why. Yeah. I think they need it. I think that they think it'll it can it can possibly give them a small edge two or three years down the line. They'll take it. So that's probably smart. DJ and PK, yeah, I think it probably is. I, I definitely you know, there there are a lot of people in this world who use the free media to their advantage. You can certainly pay to use media and you can advertise, but you know, presidential campaigns are trying to use free media and Fortune five hundred companies are trying to use free media. How many emails do we get about Every day that we just delete from people who want to do interviews and want to sell a product. You know, yeah, about 20. Yeah, use the free media and leverage your message. You know, every, Everybody else is going to have their spin out there, and they're going to have their spin on you out there. So you might as well get your side of the story and your spin out there because you know, all the negative stuff is going to be out there. All right, Sarah Todd covers the Jazz and the NBA for the D News. We'll talk more jazz with her at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, a story about Oklahoma football. I think it applies to the Utes. I think it applies to the youths. How do you change your rep with high school kids, high school coaches, high school kids' parents? You know, how do you change your profile? Now, Oklahoma's got a different profile and decades on the youths, but they also had a similar problem. And to a certain degree, I think the youths, they probably need to copy Oklahoma, and maybe they are. And is it, is it a plan, or is it something that's just kind of breaking their way and they're taking advantage of it? Uh, it looks like they could be going down the same path. And certainly with the results Oklahoma's gotten, Ute fans want them to go down the same path. We'll get to that next. I think it applies to BYU in a different way. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zion's Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz flew to Florida yesterday. They are now in Orlando in the bubble. And we'll begin preparations for their first game with the Pelicans on July 30th as they restart the season. Brooklyn Nets forward Torian Prince became the latest player to test positive for COVID-19. He will not play in the restart. He's the fourth Nets player who will not participate, joining DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Wilson Chandler. Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic tested negative for the coronavirus in Serbia, but travel issues and the timing precluded him from joining the team for its flight to Orlando. He's still expected to be in Florida and play. And Nuggets just say there wasn't time for him to test negative twice in Serbia and twice in Denver and still make the team's trip from Denver to Orlando. He's expected to travel on his own and head to Florida for the bubble. Denver sitting in third place in the Western Conference. This back-to-basketball update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. How each individual adapts to this environment and deals with it is going to dictate each individual's success and the team's success. This is so dramatically different than anything anyone's ever done before. From a social standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, from a game time standpoint, from a no-crowd standpoint, in some ways, I think it might be the best basketball we've ever seen. There'll be no distractions. 
games, no travel. Their rest will be very consistent. By the time we get to the second round of playoffs in September, these guys will have been playing for two months. They'll be at their peak. They won't be tired like they've come through an 82-game schedule. It could be the best basketball we've ever seen. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. So the Athletic has a story on college football, and it's one of the things, it's uh, it's not a mailbag, but it's kind of designed that way. You know how sometimes when you write stuff, PK, you got a, you got a lot of notes, and so it's a long deal, but within it, there's like four separate, completely different items. And Ari Wasserman posted something a couple hours ago, and the first item in this story is about from transfers to elite recruits, how Oklahoma became QBU. Now, Oklahoma's got a great tradition in football that goes back 60, 70 years. You know, just it's phenomenal. Uh, you go back to the 40s and 50s, and, and they had the longest win streak in college football history. And then you can come up through the decades, and, you know, different coaches, Barry Switzer, uh, you know, had an awesome run there. And uh, they've been awesome for really for 20 years now. They, they've kind of hand, it looks like they got the handoff going here from one great coach to another. But they had great defensive players. They had great defensive ends. They had great linebackers. They've had great running backs. But they've never been known as quarterback you. But you got to evolve. And in this, they mentioned something that caught my eye because it's something you said. Uh, that college football has evolved. You used to be able to win with very average quarterbacking. If you had a defense, a running game, you're running the option or the wishbone, you know. But now you got to throw it in college. And they make this note, the last four national title-winning quarterbacks have been or will be top five draft picks. So if you're going to play at the highest level in the playoffs, you better have not just an, a guy who's going to play in the NFL, but a guy who's going to be a top five draft pick. And they talk about how the Sooners have done that and how they had no rep for quarterbacks. They used the transfer window and um, they bring in uh, Baker Mayfield. They bring in Kyler Murray. They bring in Jalen Hurts. And now they've signed a five-star quarterback, the number one ranked guy out of uh, Washington, D.C. Now, we've seen the number one guy in a class come into BYU a couple times and it hasn't worked. So there's no guarantees But the more of those guys you bring in, the more the odds are likely to break your way. And uh, the quarterback's name is Caleb Williams. And he explained why he chose Oklahoma. And he could have gone to LSU. Right, and they're they're telling the they're coming off fifteen and zero and the number one pick in the draft. So they got a great story to tell quarterbacks. But he ends up going halfway across the country. Maryland's the semi-hometown team. He could have gone to College Park and played at Maryland, but they're not at a high enough level. He wants to go to Oklahoma and be in the playoff. And he explains how Mayfield and Murray and Hurts and how that really appealed to him. Three different quarterbacks, three different skill sets. They all played at a high level there. And so Oklahoma's able to transform itself. Now we see the U, the Utes here, and you know they've done a lot of things right, but... High-level quarterback play is not what we've been talking about for the last you know, 10 or 15 years. Alex Smith was obviously the number one pick, and Brian Johnson had a good run. But it, it's, it's been a struggle more often than not. But they're starting to use the transfer window, and guys want to play, and they have one year. Will they take a chance and go outside of a, 
a comfort zone that a high school kid won't go out of? Can you, over the course of two or three years, and you have two transfers in the program right now, you know, are they going to be able to use the transfer portal to get guys that they can't normally get, and can they rebrand themselves and what they do at quarterback? Now, doing as level Oklahoma is doing it, I'm not going to suggest that because Oklahoma is sitting on you know, well, I don't know, 70, 75 years of football excellence. So that's a different deal. But I still think the lesson is there. And maybe the lesson is there for other schools at other positions. You know, maybe it's just something that 21-year-olds are going to be different than 18-year-olds. And, you know, BYU has had a problem with defensive backs. Now, defensive backs, it's easier to get on the field. Quarterback's a different position because only one guy can play. And defensive backs... You know, you're using at least four, but maybe five defensive, sometimes even six defensive backs on a snap. So there's a way for them to get on the field. Maybe playing time isn't an issue, but if you had an issue with pass rushers or defensive backs, can you use the transfer portal to your advantage and rebrand yourself. I don't know about that, but certainly the Utes can copy some of what is spelled out in this story about Oklahoma. Yeah, okay. I agree with you. You think they got the quarterbacks to start doing that in these two transfers, or no? Well, I think that when you look at Oklahoma, sure, these quarterbacks have been high-profile dudes. There's no question about that. But I also think that they've got a lot of other guys that are leading them into the direction that they want to go also, in addition to the quarterbacks. Great sure. receivers. Yes. I mean, they just, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just, their skill position guys are off the charts. So uh, Utah's skill position guys, particularly uh, the wideouts, are they off the charts? Well, the answer is no. So I get it. You need to be able to have the guy who's pulling the trigger needs to be really good. That's just a fact. We all understand that. But you're looking for a rebranding on the fly? You know, I'm not sure that's the way to go. And I don't think for Oklahoma this is the way to go, too, with the transfer things. I think it's just worked out that way and you look at um, Hertz is a, an unusual so- story right but you look at Murray and Mayfield I mean they're coming from the region so they're staying regionally yeah right they're they're, they're Texas guys right and and for that's for, always no, been Oklahoma's backyard Oklahoma has always always yeah. cashed the Texas check when it comes to talent yeah, yeah, yes, they they have to, and they oh they do, they do it very well. I mean that that's considered uh you know uh, basically a suburb of Texas and Dallas. It's a four hour. I think it's just four hours. Yeah, you know when they yeah. they play the game with them in Texas, it's like halfway right in right. Dallas. Yep, and so <clears throat> they're able to do that. And but now on the other hand, so I'm not saying that all their guys that they get are local. I'm talking about the transfers. Mm-hmm. Because you just spoke about how they got the kid from D.C. Well, they got the kid from Pinnacle down in the Phoenix area, Rattler, who's expected to start. I don't know. Yeah, that he's, he's in the story. Rattler. He's in yeah. the story. Yeah, they talk about him. Right. And so he was all that rated number one, blah, blah, blah. So he's coming from Phoenix. So I think that they can get the high school kid from wherever. Grad transfer, uh, I think it's situationally it played in their favor and the, the way they do but once once they have an established starter who's a sophomore they're not getting the grad transfers <laughs> that's that's not the year you get the grad transfer when right, the sophomore's right. coming back so i think they'll get past that now you look at utah can it do what it's done here 
with these two kids that they've got in the program right now. Yes, but rebranding? See, I'd be awfully uh, nervous about rebranding who you are and your identity uh, because you've won a lot of games with this brand. And now do you really want to change it and go nuts? And also, too, here, the reason why I brought up the regionally is for whatever reason, the state of Utah is not producing a ton of high, great high school quarterbacks. Now, mm-hmm. and, for, and, and then beyond that, the Utah aren't getting them. <laughs> right? So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and who's the last great high school quarterback who was a passer? Now, you could put Brandon Doman in there, but he wasn't a big-time passer. I mean, his athletic skill was sensational, but he wasn't like just sit in the pocket and McMahon and all those guys that they were doing back then, right? He was running. We had, He had Staley as his running mate, and you'd be foolish not to be using that weapon. That that weapon was unbelievable. So together, when they were senior, well, I guess Staley would have been junior, but that last year, the one year that they played together as starters, they were 12-0. and And actually, when they started together, I think they were 14-0. and Right. Well, they, they they were two special talents, no doubt about that. But they weren't necessarily Brandon sit in the pocket, go through his progressions, all that stuff, and throw the ball forty five times a game. So I don't know that the state is going to produce that. And then they, I think they missed on the Zach Wilson. I think that. They well, what about what about Cooper at Lehigh? Cameron Cooper's up yeah, at Washington State now. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. been the guy at Washington State, but still, well, those, are, those are the two guys. Right. Those are the, he's, yeah, he's inside the, the, the Pac twelve. Cooper's the two expected prom- to start this year. Finally, the two prominent guys, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and they didn't get either of those. Now they didn't offer Wilson, uh, who's the kid who went to Indiana. I can't think the, of his name. Tuttle. Yeah, uh, you know they they put their eggs in that basket, and it didn't work out. And they missed. They clearly they missed the boat. Now maybe Tuttle may develop. I don't know. But right now, it looks like Wilson is better. So there's not a there's not that many. And then B, do you get them? If he's really that good, do you get him? Because Utah, the the football program is not known for throwing the ball all, all over the place. So I don't know that you're going to have a, well, let's see, we're going to be a quarterback factory, we're going to be a receiver factory, we're going to be a running back factory. Uh, if you are, then you're going to be Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma. You know, There's like a handful of those schools, right? And is that really realistic to expect the University of Utah to be on that level? I don't think it is because 98% of the programs in this country are not at that level. So how could this program out here in the middle of nowhere be on that level? doesn't seem possible. So take what you have. Try to get better always. And now we'll see because this is an interesting deal here with these two kids. You know, is it going to be what, – what's the one kid uh, from uh, South Carolina? What's his name that's going to send the program right now? Bentley? Jake so Bentley, yeah. you got him. So you can see a possibility – uh, if it's a traditional fall season of him playing and then rising, being a starter for another two years. So you can have basically for the next three years a transfer being your starting quarterback. And if they play really well, well, then that's going to open some eyes. And, you know, Spencer Rattler from from the Phoenix area or whoever this kid from the D.C. area is, is he going to Oklahoma if they're still rushing the ball like they used to back in the Switzer Wilkinson era where Troy Aikman went and then he leaves to go to Westwood because he's got to throw the ball. So if these two kids can come in, there's no question he can make a, a 
dramatic difference and maybe send the message that, yeah, this is what we can do. But I just wonder, because you're probably not going to get the kid from Utah, so he's not going to come from Utah. So you're asking a kid from Southern California to come up probably. And, and maybe this other kid, and maybe this uh, – who's, who's the kid they got the, the – the, what's his name from Southern California? Peter Costelli. Yeah. Now maybe he continues it. And then, then you're – now we're extending it six, seven years. And maybe you can build off of that. And, you know, well, and you get too far out there and, okay, Kyle's not going to be the coach anymore, right? He, he hasn't gone full Andy Reid on us and I'm coaching into my 70s. He's not coaching <laughs> in his 70s. Right, right. So I do think, though, that with Kyle – you know, there, there certainly is an attitude towards quarterbacks. And, you know, his dad was a defensive guy and he played linebacker. So there is a defensive mentality that's just in there. But I do think with a lot of coaches, you know, if if you have Alex Smith and he only throws, I think it was four picks all year and he's responsible for 30 touchdowns or something, then you're going to open the offense up. It's an easy decision. Yeah, let's go down the field. There's very little risk. This guy's not going to turn over. Whereas if you're coaching and you barely lose to UCLA and you threw six he had six turnovers and mo- at least five, I think, were picks. Uh, you're going to want to dial up. You're going to want to dial the passing game back, and you're going to tell the offensive coordinator, "Well, protect the defense," you know, because because we can win this game if it weren't for you know every other possession ending in a turnover. So there's a little chicken in the egg here. You, you know, they don't open it up. Well, they haven't had the guy to open it up. Now, if Bentley, if they can open it up with you know. With Bentley, then can you open up with the next guy? And does Castelli come in? And then you can open it up with him. If you're getting the results, it's a little easier to open it up. And as skill players, they don't have the wide receivers. I've been talking about that, you know, for years. But I think they do have a pretty high level tight end, and they've had good running backs. So you know, there's a way to finesse it. And I'm not saying that they're going to be Oklahoma and have to be that. But given how good they've been in other spots on the field. If you elevate the passing game, you know, 10 or 20%, you got a really good football team. DJ and PK, Sarah Todd covers the Jazz for the uh, D News. We're going to talk with her in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Join the big show at the warehouse on Friday from 2 to 7 at 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, PK, irregardless is officially a word. It's gone in the dictionary. You're a trendsetter. You're on the cutting edge. And I never wanted to say I told you so, even if I told you so. Uh, Nate says, oh, it's all true, but it doesn't change the fact you sound like an Arizona State graduate when you say it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Alex sends us a gif. He says, this is PK's inner voice right now. And it's Kevin Garnett, confetti flying from the ceiling, and he leans back. Anything is possible! <laughs> you know, I never believed that anything is possible, but I think a lot of things are possible through determination, hard work, and all those types of things. And they just sound like cliches. But there's a lot of truth to them. Toter99 says, irrespective of PK's irregardlessness, I think it's a non-issue, respectively. 
I would agree with him on the point of agreement. Uh, Brandon says, thank you! Two exclamation points. I've been using this word for years, only to be criticized by so-called gra- grammar experts. Irregardless, I'll just be, uh, I'll just be keep using the word right now. Yeah, I think we can sit back and sort of feel good now and take a little bit of a, an acknowledgement that uh, we were right al- all along. I was playing golf with somebody the other day, yeah, and I and I had about a twenty footer with a big break, and I said, "I hate to inform you that this is going down," and he said, "I hate to inform you that no, it's not," and so I hit the putt right, and it just barely missed. And you know how it has a it has a break, and you know it's breaking, and you think you got a shot. So there's like that, what, two or three seconds where you're getting that adrenaline because you think it's going to go mm-hmm. in. Uh, and, and immediately, as it's tracking, 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 I'm thinking, oh man, I am going to dance on this guy's grave right here. And it just slipped out. And oh man, it would have been so sweet. Well, that's a sense of satisfaction that I feel. I just made that 20-foot putt after being told that I wouldn't make it. And I did make it for all of you who said irregardless is not a word. Because I knew in my heart, even though it was against all odds, I knew it was a word. I knew it was a word. God knew it was a word. I knew God knew it was a word. And God knew I knew it was a word. And now both of us were redeemed. I just got a little dizzy and lightheaded through all of that. <laughs> That's redundant. <laughs> Jeff says, now PK is going to stop using the word irregardless because it's seen as being less rebellious. <laughs> Jeff, I think you're on to something. And I'll I'm say, rebellious. that had not occurred to me, Jeff, <laughs> until I read your tweet. But once I read your tweet, the truth of it just, it was like a bright light. How can I be rebellious? You're talking to the same guy who twice voted for Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Only twice? How can I be rebellious? Well, I wasn't in California, so I couldn't vote in the governor election. But if I could, I certainly wouldn't have voted for that other dude. You know, that one dude. What's his name? The one who dated Linda Ronstadt? Oh, my gosh. you got to be kidding me. Reagan didn't run against him. He ran against his dad, I think. Irregardless. That's Ah, my whole point. I uh, like this one from uh, Bobco5301. Hey, Bobco, what up? He sends a gift. That's, it's, <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. And I'm not sure which movie. Mission Impossible. Is it a Mission Impossible? I don't know. Because it's got a it. Top Gun logo down in the corner. Top Gun. Uh, but I don't think he looks young enough for a Top Gun. He's much younger than that. But anyway, whatever. Well, and it's, there has been the reboot of Top Gun. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's And we have another one coming out yeah. soon. So he's looking at us. Not today. <laughs> it's a good one. And it's a very cruise-ish moment. It could really be from any of like 10 movies, you know. Like, mm, not today. <laughs> hey, Tom Cruise is from New Jersey. So yes, today. Isn't this a reoccurring theme with you guys? <laughs> it's not reoccurring. <laughs> he did it's it. It's just on recurring. Purpose. He put it in he put it in quotation marks. Team is everything knew exactly what he was doing when he sent that tweet. Drives me nuts. All right, DJ PK, we're talking jazz. We're talking NBA restart. Sarah Todd covers the jazz and the NBA for the D News, and she joins us next.